Welcome to the Pathways to Profitability podcast, personal tales of business success, where we hear local business owners' personal stories of their trials and tribulations that got them to where they are today. Here's your host, Cheryl Mucha, CEO of CFO Your Way. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, on this snowy day here in New Jersey, I know you might be seeing this a little bit later, but it is uh, a winter wonderland out there today. Um, I have today my guest, Michelle Brown, uh, owner and mastermind behind Into Action Coaching. Michelle, thank you so much for being here with us today. Carol, I appreciate the invitation. I was looking forward to this conversation. So I like to start and give our audience a little bit of a background about who Michelle Brown is and about your company, just a little bit about um, what you're all about. Sure. Yes, my company is called Into Action Coaching, and we are a going on 17-year executive coaching and talent management agency. What does that mean? It means that we have the good fortune of partnering with organizations, small, medium, large, and even enterprise, both domestically as well as globally, to create cultures that are led by inspiring leaders. So we love to work with senior leaders and even uh, midline managers to help them develop the skills and the traits of what makes up a charismatic leader. Because, uh, you know, we are in the people business, regardless of what the industry might be. And oftentimes, organizations have individuals who are subject matter experts, technically and functionally skilled, but as it relates to their ability to work with and through people, sometimes can be a challenge. So we go in and we do one-on-one coaching and training and some consulting work. And uh, yeah, it's been an absolute uh, joy to, to do this work. It's my purpose and my passion. And it's so important to be passionate about what we do. I always say we spend so much time doing what we do, work or a job, but to be passionate about it and, and love what we do. It's like you never work a day in your life, which is which is beautiful. You said the word charismatic. I love that word. Why did you choose that word? Like, what does that word really mean to you? Yeah, you know, you're right. That word does have kind of a sparkle to it because there's so many other words that describe, you know, the the behaviors and the characteristics of, of leaders. But charismatic is kind of a way of being. It's being a magnet. It's having a effervescent personality in the sense, it doesn't mean that you've got to, you know, engage with people and, and uh, always kind of be Susie Sunshine or Sam Sunshine, but charisma, it exudes confidence because that's one of the characteristics of what they call executive presence. So when an individual has charisma, they're just comfortable in their own skin. There's vulnerability, there's authenticity, and that just exudes charisma. They are people-oriented. So yeah, I think that in light of the fact that, again, regardless of what a leader's role or responsibilities may be, being able to engage not only with subordinates, people that report directly into that individual, but with peers and clients and customers, we are attracted to people who are just nice and engaging and inspiring. So I believe charisma is really what business is all about. Being able to have that authentically and exude that, I think, is what will help a business owner or a leader or manager be successful. I love that. And I think that's even more important today as we're kind of a 
disjointed workforce to present that and elude that in a remote environment. I think it becomes more difficult, but so much more important. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You know, we are interfacing through a screen these days, and it's been like this for almost two years. So it does not always afford us an opportunity to, you know, meet and greet and really demonstrate what our personality is. We have to project that onto a screen. So having charisma just means that, you know, we're warm and engaging and there's, you know, some some light that sort of comes through us even as we're talking about business. But you're right. These are difficult times and I think we're going to be in this for a bit more. So I agree. how we can best tap into ways in which we can still be warm and uh, charismatic is going to be important. Yeah. And I'm a hugger and I like I'm like, ah, like I just need that that warmth and that connection. And you obviously you don't get that. So looking back on your career, your entrepreneur journey, was there a thing or a moment or a person in that in that journey that had a great influence on you? Yeah, absolutely. I tell this story sometimes to nauseam in terms of the trajectory and how I came to uh, start the agency. So Prior to starting the agency in 2007, I worked 25 years in corporate and was successful by society's definition. I had a great position working, a senior leader position working in a global organization, but yet I was at a crossroads where I was feeling unfulfilled and a bit dissatisfied. And, you know, when you have those kind of rumblings, I had more questions than I had answers to. And I was out to dinner with a good friend of mine. She's a psychiatrist and she wasn't, you know, we weren't in a session. We were over dinner. So it was informal. And I was just expressing to her that I was at this crossroads. And she said, Michelle, you'd make a great coach. And honestly, Cheryl, I didn't even know what that was outside of sports. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not an athlete, (laughs) um, professional sports training. She says, no, there's this new profession sort of coming down the pipe. It's called life coaching. And the way she described it, it really resonated with me because when I think about what I believe are my talents and, and certainly my interests and my passion, it's empowering people and working with people. And I would hope that during the days that I was back in corporate and leading a team, that's one of the things that I would get good evaluations on. And that was my ability to lead, you know, and and develop a team. So the more she talked about what a coach is and does, the more it resonated. I knew I didn't necessarily want to be a life coach per se, because I love business and I wanted to leverage all that experience. So yeah, that's when I decided to go back to school, get my certification and take the executive coaching path. And it's just been an incredible journey ever since. I've learned a lot, uh, but it feels good to be in a profession that really is my vocation. That's so nice. Yeah, again, it goes back to do what you love. Yes, yes. And and being able to find that passion Mm -hmm. and that, that love early on in your career is it's a wonderful thing and not many people get to experience that yeah well it's interesting i wouldn't even say that it was early on because i was 
in my 50s. So it was 25 years later. But you're right, Cheryl, it's 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 something that even now with a lot of the private clients that we support, people are kind of grappling with trying to determine what is their purpose. And they don't necessarily have to be really unhappy with what they're doing. But sometimes the question is, is there more? You know, as we go through life, and especially as we get older, we realize that, you know, there's kind of more to what we want to spend 40 hours or 60 hours a week doing. And you're right, it's not always clear and identifiable what that is, which is, you know, job security for us as coaches, because we are able to kind of sometimes ask the right questions to help an individual do a bit of excavation and exploration to figure out, you know, what's the why? What is it that I should be doing? Because it's not always clear, but it's always there beneath the surface. And that conversation with your girlfriend at dinner happened at the right moment in your in your life because you wouldn't have been able to take that leap and, and start a business on your own had you not had all that prior experience. Exactly. Yeah, it prepared me. I felt you hit the nail on the head. You know, the business acumen, developing strategies. Yes, I, I felt that I was prepared. Mind you, there was still a lot of risk and I was very insecure uh, in terms of, you know, I was going uh, from a secure position with compensation and benefits to, you know, sort of a, a new frontier. I was married at the time and, you know, my ex-husband was then very supportive, but yet I knew, you know, with our household expenses and our lifestyle that I would have to kind of ramp up very quickly. But yeah, it took a leap of faith in order to uh, unbuckle from the golden handcuffs, so to speak, and go out into the entrepreneurial. But, but that's the bravery of, you know, those of us that choose to be an entrepreneur. Like that, that leap of faith, that scary moment when you look at, okay, I have this. This is guaranteed for some time, this salary, this this pool of benefits and the, the possible unhappiness versus the insecurity and the what if and the, but I can make this my own. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's scary for anyone who decides to be an entrepreneur, but in my well, mind, it's worth the, it's worth the jump. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What you've just spoken about, it's the risk versus the reward. Mm-hmm. We have to look at and weigh out, and usually these are the questions and reflections that we go through, which is, yeah, what are the rewards that I will gain from taking this risk, and does the rewards outweigh the risk? And when we're able to sometimes quantify and list it so that it becomes, you know, something literal, then that is what gives us the boost. Yeah. And I also believe, Cheryl, and I know you have it, I think many of us who start our own businesses, we've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. So, you know, it it may have been exhibited in our roles while we were employees, but yet there's something about you know, critical thinking and conceptual thinking and having creativity and innovation and having a vision and being able to kind of answer questions for ourselves or at least be resourceful because taking the leap and going out and not necessarily having a CEO to report to or a board that really kind of helps guide your direction. You have to sort of figure those things out on your own until you can scale the business enough to bring those resources in. But I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we have those um, innate skills 
um, inability within us, yeah, that we can tap into. And also, I think a lot of it too is like common sense and knowing what our limitations are and having the the people around us to tap into when we when we're questioning or when we're unsure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was developing my business plan back in the day, even before I took the leap, because while I was getting my certification, I also wanted to create, you know, my business model and put it on paper. And I remember reaching out to an old boss, Um, not the one that I had while I was still uh, at the company, but I went to an old boss who was the president of the company that I previously worked for. And he was so generous with his time to really help me craft my business plan because I needed a real experienced individual who had been a president and a CEO to, you know, give me some advice and direction on what my business model should look like and what things I needed to take into consideration to start the business. So yeah, we've got to tap into these resources. Right. And, and, you know, then, then that leads me to the importance of mentorship and not only being able to go to those resources and mentors, but also to be a mentor to those that are, are coming up behind us and, and being that resource for them, because now we're experienced entrepreneurs, right? We, we walk the walk and talk the talk and to be able to spread that knowledge to the next person, individual that's considering this path. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, each one teach one is the expression. I love that. You know, with what we have experienced and learned, we want to gift others, men and women who are traveling a similar journey and potentially provide them our experiences or even advice to have them possibly avoid the pitfalls that we've experienced, right? And I think that that's what collaboration really looks like. And as a mentor, being able to have enough experience that we can sort of point to specific examples of potentially what to do and what to avoid can be very helpful and useful to accelerate someone else that's, you know, beginning this journey of uh, business ownership. Right. And I feel too, like there's a lesson to be learned in all those pitfalls. So some of them you kind of have to go through and learning about the journey and, and, you know, the mistakes, there's always a lesson, but to have someone to go to and to just rely on or, or just to cry on someone's shoulders sometimes. Right. <laughs> it's, it's essential. And I love what you said about, you know, failures. I, I inherently have over the years shifted my perspective and, and, firmly realized there are really no failures. There are, it's like, you know, being a scientist, a researcher, an inventor, you have to try and try certain things over and over and over again, so that you can learn from what's not working so that we can apply what is working. So when we don't let those sort of failed attempts derail us, we examine them, look to see what lesson they're intended to, to impart. And yeah, then it doesn't make us fearful of those missteps, so to speak, because yeah, I believe inherently there's no such thing as a, as a failure. That just stops us. But when we can look at it as this is an opportunity for me to learn and do something differently or better, then it's a benefit. Love that. So we, we kind of touched on a little bit here and there, but I haven't really gotten into it. So just how do you de- define business success? Like, what does that mean to you? 
Mm -hmm. Well, I'll go even deeper because I know that is a traditional question and most people would look at it in terms of revenue or, you know, market share. But I honestly believe business success is doing what you love. And it I sounds, love that. It, it may sound very sort of um, esoteric and, and a little too fundamental, but I believe that that is the first step for success. It's being able to be on a path to provide a product, to manufacture a product, to provide a service that is of use to others, whoever your clientele may be. And again, to tap into whatever, you know, our talents and our skills might be. That to me is what success is because if it sort of brings enthusiasm when we wake up in the morning and we look forward no matter how busy our day might be, it really creates sort of an advantageous mindset. And with that as the foundation, anything is possible. You know, on top of having that purpose-driven mindset, that I think is what causes us to be resilient because running a business, especially in the early years of startup, you know, there's a lot of ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys and customers who were saying no and revenue that's slow to come in. And again, I think over the long haul, because success is just this journey that travels with us throughout the course um, and the length of time that we're operating our business, but to be able to kind of be resilient and have that stick to so to speak, I believe that that is what the recipe to success is. And you have to have the passion in order to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the passion has to be part of the equation. Mm hmm. So what motivates you to get up every day out of bed and, and face the to-do list, the, the clients, the, the schedule of the day? What is that, that impetus that like, makes you yeah. jump out of bed in the morning? <laughs> it's, it's the people that we serve. Because I, I really describe myself as a servant leader. The coaching profession, like for me, is so rewarding in that we get to really jump in to the professional life of a professional. Sometimes we touch and, and hone in on what's happening in their personal life. But, you know, to be able to wake up every day and know that I will be able to support a client uh, in some way, shape or form. And that client could be an individual or certainly could be a company. A lot of the uh, clients that we have are grappling with culture you know, there's, uh, uh, they may have a workforce that's not operating based on the company values. So, you know, it enables me, you know, to roll up my sleeves and to partner with them to kind of jump into the fray and as best I can try to help them figure out solutions. You know, I'm a problem solver by nature. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe like an athlete who prepares for, you know, a, a big game, um, being able to know that there's an unknown with what our clients may be grappling with, but to be able to kind of go in there and feel ready to support them, meet them where they are and help them gain some clarity. That's what jazzes me each and every day. So in a sense, you are like a, a coach to a sports team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no surprise that that's where the the profession was born. Right. It's what to athletes mm -hmm, helps them be at their you know the height of their performance. Of their game, yep, that's right. So, 
How do you find, I, I know you have a little dog in the house. How do you find your work-life balance? Is it hobby? Is it the dog, walking the dog, playing with the dog? What What does Michelle do to find that work-life balance? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm still grappling with that. I, <laughs> friends and colleagues that know me will classify me as, I don't like the term workaholic, but, you know, I've, my business has always been remote. So with COVID and having to sort of sequester is not a new business model. So, you know, the way we've always or usually engaged with clients is usually via the phone and now it's via um, video conferencing. So, and because my office is in my home, sometimes it has been a challenge for me to kind of pull myself away because, you know, I'll even take my laptop down to the family room at the end of the day as I'm watching the news or whatever television or movie. Um, and I'm, you know, still plugging away, maybe answering a couple of emails. And yet, and yet. So I, I, I think I may be out of the norm in terms of working 70% or 60%. But, but in terms of how I seek to balance, uh, you coined it. I mean, you know, my dog is, is my partner right now because I'm single. And with COVID having such an impact on our ability to socialize and just kind of go mm -hmm. out there, that's another reason why, you know, I filled the time with, with my work. But when this wasn't our existence, you know, going to the movies and entertaining. So I don't necessarily have a hobby for the most part. I do try to exercise, you know, when I can. But yeah, it's it's just socializing. Uh, being around people is what rejuvenates me. And that's that's where I get my balance from. Yeah, I say all the time, I need to stop looking at these four walls. I spend too much time at this desk in this room mm -hmm. in front of this screen kind of thing. We we need to make the time to kind of step away. It's so important. Yep, yep, yeah, because otherwise we establish cabin fever. Yes. You know, and yeah. that's why I'm forward to the spring, you know, because even if our conditions are still somewhat the same, at least being outdoors, you know, is a bit more welcoming than it is right now, looking out and right. seeing about six inches of snow. Yeah, I only like the snow looking at it through the window. <laughs> like, don't, don't put me out there. I, I'm not a snow bunny. I don't ski. I don't like the cold. Like, this, yeah. this is it. Look at it through the window. <laughs> Exactly. So is there anything else you want to share with our audience? Any um, upcoming events or anything new and exciting with Interaction Coaching? Yes, actually, next week, I wish I had the details. So forgive me, maybe this is something that uh, can be posted. I'm a member of uh, CIANJ, Commerce and Industry of mm -hmm. New Jersey. I've been asked to be a panelist at a webinar that they're hosting. And the topic is really about what companies can be doing or should be doing around attracting and retaining talent because this is a real issue in the workforce right you know they call it the uh, mass resignation uh, in mm -hmm. terms of leaving the workforce sometimes even without positions to go to so companies are really grappling with and challenged with what do we do to attract talent and then once we have them uh, what do we do to retain them? so yeah that's going to be the topic and i'll be joined with, you know, some esteemed colleagues who um, have various roles that can help organizations figure out what that formula looks like. Is there some place that our audience can go to see your upcoming events? Yes. My website is www.intoactioncoaching, spelled I-N-T-U, 
actioncoaching.com. And also my LinkedIn profile, Michelle Brown, Michelle spelled with one L. So my upcoming events, yeah, are captured either on my website or my LinkedIn profile. And the way to register can be done through uh, either of those portals. Okay, great. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for being with me today. I always enjoy our conversations and I'm, I'm so glad that you could, could be here. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation and the conversation and opportunity to see you. I miss you, my friend. Yeah, we, one of these days, right? We'll all be together again. Yes. Looking forward to the day. Well, thank you again, Michelle. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. Please visit pathwaystoprofitability.com to see not only the links to this episode, but all of our episodes. And just have a wonderful day and be well, stay healthy. That's it for today's episode of Pathways to Profitability. Remember to ask yourself, where can I pay my success forward today? 